This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. My name is Carl Jensen, and I'm here with... I'm Doug Cunnington. Yeah, Doug. So today we're going to talk about Black Swan events, which was inspired by a recent hike. Uh, do you know what a Black Swan event is? Or? I do. Yeah, actually, there, there's a book about it, and I listen to the audiobook, so... Um, I'm pr- it's been a while, but I'm familiar. Oh, that's the Talib book, right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, we didn't talk about that beforehand, but maybe you could mention that because I have always been intrigued by that guy, but I've never read any of him, including that book. Well, it's been a while uh, since I, I listened to the book, but one thing, I think his name is uh, Nassim Talib. Yeah, it's... It's how it sounds, but we'll put a, a link out there so people can get to it. His writing is uh, rather, I'm pretty sure it's pretty pretentious. So when you're going through it, you're like, man, this guy thinks a lot of himself. That's just how it comes through. You can't read tone. But as, I'm, as I was uh, listening to it, um, you get that feeling. So anyway, it lays out uh, several black swans. And I think um, like we'll get to some of the definition, which I'll let you lay out here. But I, like it's been a while, so I don't remember anything specific. Yeah. Okay. So what I'd like to talk about is, or how I want to open this up is I went for a hike and this was uh, right around New Year's Eve. It might've been December 30th, December 31st. I don't remember which one. So we were hiking in Southern Boulder in the flat irons, which we often do. So we're hiking up and it was super windy, just incredibly windy. I think the gusts went up to like 90 miles an hour, but we were in the trees and it, you know, so it wasn't too bad. But anyway, we go up, everything's fine. We go down and one of the people I'm hiking with goes, hey, look over there. And I'm like, wow, Gwen, holy shit. That wasn't there when we were walking up. And what it was was this huge plume of smoke. And what we had just seen was the very start of the Marshall Fire. And I didn't think much of it when I first saw it because fires are pretty common out here, right? Especially in the summer, we usually have at least two or three big fires. But this one ended up burning, I think, close to a thousand homes in Louisville in Superior, a bunch of businesses, and ended up killing two people. So I'm like, holy shit, that that's crazy. And uh, yeah, this is a ex- good example of a black swan event. And some of the after effects of it, I thought, were pretty interesting. And I, I remember that day as well because I saw the smoke when I was uh, coming out of the grocery store. And like, like you said, when I went in, the smoke wasn't there. And I was like, damn, that is that is very close. I thought it may be on the south end of Longmont, but it was a little further south than that. And, you know, people probably at this point have saw the, the news coverage. But the different thing about this particular fire was it went through a very populated area. So there were big fires like last year and the last few years, but it was like in national forest area or the national park or generally an unpopulated area. But this went through like the suburbs basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Like Louisville and downtown superior burned. And I, if there's any good thing about this, it's that it happened in the middle of the day. Like it's shocking that a fire could burn a thousand houses and only two people died. 
I don't know what the circumstances of those were. I think they were both elderly, which is kind of sad. Maybe they couldn't physically get out of their house. But you think if this thing would have happened at midnight, oh, my God, it probably would have killed hundreds of people because they would have been asleep. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I started thinking about the after effects of this and what this did to us. And I came up with three. The first one is the housing market is already super tight. We were just talking before we started recording about what people are paying for houses. And we bought our house two and a half years ago, and it was in rough shape. We needed to fix it up. But there's a house that's it's the exact same model as house. Our neighbor, it's the closest model of our house to us. And they're going to ask 800 for it, and we bought ours for 365 I'm not sure if they'll actually get that, but I, nothing surprises me anymore. So that's number one. The second one is construction materials. I know you don't do a lot of construction like I do, Doug, but when I started remodeling my basement almost two years ago, a two by four was under $3. And then they went up to eight when COVID happened, and now they're back up to that. And I'm not sure how much of that is due to local demand, but that has to have some effect on it. All of a sudden, we're going to need materials to build a thousand new houses. And the labor, too, is going to go up. I talked to some friends yesterday who want to put this big addition on their house. I'm like, well, good luck with that. Those thousand fires, I think anyone who has any skill is probably going to be occupied for a while. And if not, you're going to have to pay a lot of money if you can get one of those people to build your addition for you. Uh, The third one that's kind of crazy that I didn't think about is I know at least two people who have nice houses that have decided to move out of them and move to like a small apartment, just rent something because of what the insurance companies are paying. Um, One friend, Brian, got $7,000 a month for rent from the insurance company. And I think his house is about $700,000, but he never would have gotten that rent under normal circumstances. And he had no plans to rent his house out before that. He is just taking advantage is kind of the wrong way because I think it's it's kind of a good thing what he's doing. He's not taking advantage of any person. He's taking advantage of the situation and the insurance company is going to pay him. And some people are going to have a place to live in the same town that their house burned. So they're less inconvenienced. It's pretty interesting. I think Annie, who's a member of the HQ, said someone, and this must have been a nice house, got close to $20,000 a month, which is just insane. I can't believe that. So all, all these effects that no one could have predicted, or could have predicted this black swan event, the fire, and then these good or bad things, depending on how you look at them, that resulted from the fire. With the with the cost of like renting the, the homes and the examples you just gave, what should the rent be? Because that is obviously much higher than what the market rate is, and man insurance companies it's just bananas what the fuck like that this doesn't make any sense at all i mean surely there's other costs associated so i could imagine like the insurance companies paying out more than what the exact rent would be but i mean i couldn't imagine like the places that you're talking about being more than like three or four thousand dollars a month yeah that's exactly my thought i'm not sure what annie's was because i never saw that one the one where they got a real big amount of money but brian's where he got seven thousand i'd be surprised if he could have gotten more than four and probably even less than that it's kind of like a, boulder county is kind of like a san francisco situation where most people can't afford to buy there but many can afford to rent just how the numbers work 
So one thing I think we should probably talk about is like like the definition of black swan and you have a couple good points you mentioned already but why don't we like spell it out specifically sure yeah uh these events are unpredictable uh they might be good or bad black swan sounds like an ominous term but it's not necessarily a bad event it could be a good event as well uh they have a massive impact so other examples i thought of are 9-11 and the COVID 19 uh, the fourth thing I had here was a lot of people, after they happened, will say it was obvious in hindsight. Like the fires here, I remember people were on the news saying, oh, yeah, global warming and dry conditions. It was only a matter of time before this happened. And people said the same thing about coronavirus. It's only a matter of time before we have a widespread thing like that. And same thing for 9-11. So it, it's always easy in hindsight, but very hard to predict. Um, yeah, just very hard to predict. All right. Well, this is a financial podcast. So how does this relate to money? Is this a financial podcast? It's many things. It could be an asparagus <laughs> podcast. And we, we talk about all kinds of stupid um, things. Yeah. At, at its core, it is a financial podcast. We sometimes just get a little bit distracted. Yeah. I think about one black swan event, and that was the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, 2009. And I'd like to ask you what you did because I did not do the right thing. But you go first. How did you react when that event happened? What did you do with your money? Did you make any changes? I I haven't thought about this specifically. So the, the biggest impact that I had was I purchased a home in like very late 2005. So I bought it like kind of at the height of the market. So that screwed things up. The thing that I did well was I continued investing how I normally was in my 401k. And I think, unfortunately, at that point in time, I had reduced it down to uh, probably whatever the match was, maybe a little bit higher than that, but I wasn't maxing it out. Now, earlier in my career, like the first two years I was working, I think I maxed out my 401k, which was really smart. And if I would have kept doing that for you know, a few more years, it would have been during that downturn. But uh, the, the worst, I, I had a good and bad situation. So I had a real estate thing that didn't go well. And then I had my normal investing, which was fine. So yeah, what did you do? Yeah. So I did that same thing. I freaked out. I had a stable job. I was a contractor for the government. There was no chance of me losing my job. Uh, we were doing good financially, but I stopped my 401k contributions. I, I didn't stop them, but I put it down to where I just got the match and nothing else. And I think the S&P 500 is, I think it's probably quadrupled since then. Why did it bottom out? Like it, I think it was 666 in like March of 2009 or something like that. And I think it's over 2000 now. I should know it. I'm going to take a quick peek at my phone, which I don't like to do, but my curiosity is peaked to see what it is now. And to be, while you're looking that up, I didn't reduce my investments because of the downturn. I had reduced it prior to. So I, I had my plan and I just stayed the course and didn't change anything, fortunately. Ah, okay, so you are much uh, smarter than me. Okay, I'm seeing the S&P 500 is at 4,400. Is that correct? Holy crap. So that's like... 8X or something, 7, <laughs> yeah, 8X. 8X. So I think about all those probably... Forty or fifty thousand dollars. Let's say fifty thousand dollars. I didn't put in, and that's going from the very bottom. So it's not quite. It might be more of like a four or five x event. But man, that's like a couple hundred thousand and lost 
money so far. It'll be much, much more in the future. It'll, eventually, that number will be millions of dollars because I freaked out and didn't know how to handle the situation. Well, one of my favorite investing quotes is one of Warren Buffett's. He said, the stock market is the only store where people run for the exits when it's on sale, when all the items are on sale. Yep. Very good. So anything else how it relates to money? Yeah, I would just say money is an insurance policy. So if there's a bad black swan event, money can hold you over and help you survive that bad black swan event. It would have helped you get through the loss of a job during COVID or the loss of a job during 2008, 2009. But it could also be a positive thing, like no one could have predicted this fire and that's going to have uh, positive things if you have cash. For example, I do short-term loans to help people buy a home for cash, so it helps them make a better offer on their home. So because I have money, I could take advantage of these situations. And again, I don't like the word taking advantage because I'm not predatory. I'm helping people with their bad situation. Um, So yeah, money can help in in both situations. And that's another reason to strive for financial independence and to get your money shit together. One observation is even in these, you know, poor, uh, especially like 9-11, the pandemic, in both cases, I think, you know, bad things happened, of course, but there were people that saw the opportunity, we'll phrase it differently, they saw an opportunity to do something. So certainly with the pandemic and everything, some people made a shitload of money if they were, you know, poised in the right way and saw a problem that they could solve. Of course, it could be predatory in some instances, but there's always a, uh, like, a benefit on the other side, even if the overall situation is quite negative. So another example, like you said, with the fires, uh, a lot of people will have jobs. It'll stimulate the economy in some way. I don't know how it'll all work out, but there's a lot of work that's going to be done, a lot of money changing hands. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but someone's probably making a lot of money on it. So that's one thing to think about. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. We did actually take advantage of the COVID situation. When that happened, we did a cash-out refi on our house. We had paid cash for our home, but we did that and threw the money into the markets. We didn't catch it at a super low, but we caught it pretty low, and that's worked out very good. And that sounds like timing the markets, and it is. But if you think the markets are up and to the right, which is what every long-term investor should think, any significant drop let's say a 20 or 30% drop is an opportunity to perhaps throw more money in than you would have otherwise. And for one way you could do this is by upping your 401k contribution. So instead of spreading it out through the year, if something like this happens to max it out. And yeah, I, I, I don't like market timing, but in extreme situations, um, maybe it's not a bad idea to, to consider taking advantage of a severe drop. Yeah, especially like you said, if you have the the flexibility and you're able to do it and similar, I was planning on investing some money around the close to the bottom of the market as well. Same time period that you're talking about and it just worked out well. So I didn't get it right at the bottom, but it was was pretty close. So that was nice. So far, so good. Do not take advice from us. We are not financial advisors, but that's what we did. And yeah. So, and any other thoughts on the black swan idea? 
just this is just another reason again to have your money straightened out and also i guess the other thing i would say is to have a plan in your head um to go back a second you don't buy flood insurance in the middle when it's pouring rain you buy it when the skies are sunny so the time to come up with your financial plan and to think about what you'll do when the market really takes a dump is when everything is going great uh, and then stick to it when you're freaking out because the market's had a drop or a black swan event has arrived and things aren't going so hot. Go back, look at that financial plan that you've written down. Try to think about the state of mind you had back then and adhere to it. Nice. Well, before we finish up, just curious, uh, you've been traveling a bit. So can you tell us about your trip a little bit? Yeah, I just went out to San Diego to visit a friend, David Boyer, who does the Phiology website and workbook. A super cool guy, very inspirational individual. We talked about a lot of exercise topics, so he's inspired me to put my... We had an episode about working out a couple uh, weeks ago, so he's inspired me to really get my ass in gear and put it into overdrive. After that, I went to Las Vegas to see my family for three days. We watched the Super Bowl there, and I left my computer on the security line at the airport. But luckily, it has been recovered, so I'll see my laptop hopefully again someday soon. Yeah, that's crazy. Was uh, was the weather pretty good out there in California? Oh, it was so good. We went for hikes every day. We had a beer on the beach in Imperial Beach. Not on the beach. That would be illegal. But this brewery right next to it. Yeah, oh, it was it was great, Doug. It was like 80 degrees, unusually warm for there, but it was almost magical. I hate that word, but I walked up and down the boardwalk. I had a breakfast burrito. Uh, California has the best breakfast burritos. Uh, it, it was so good. I wish I could have stayed out there, and it made me think I need to own some property out there. Uh, David has a friend who we went and visited who actually has a home. Shout out to Rob. We'll put a link to him in the show notes. Got a home on Mission Beach, like right on the boardwalk, and he's got a hot tub. So we, I went in the ocean, which was very cold. It was like in the 60s, but I went swimming in there, got my head underwater, rinsed off, then jumped in his hot tub and watched the sun go down. Uh, it, it was so good. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's a very Instagram life, you know, living your best life out there. It is. I, I did take <laughs> pictures and post them to Instagram, too, because I am a tool sometimes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And I was going to say for me, the, uh, you know, the one thing going on is, uh, I sent an email over to Steven, uh, David's brother, right? They're twins. Is that, yeah, yes. That's the deal. So small world. And I'm going to be speaking at the camp Phi in Florida at the end of March. Oh, so good. That's a great camp. I camp Phi too. I've been to that one and you get to go to this remote place kind of outside of Gainesville. And yeah, really good time. Um, you'll sing some some Bible songs maybe before or after your meals because it is a Bible camp. Um, and I won't say anything more about that, but it's a great place. We actually saw a SpaceX launch. It was a night launch, so we could see it from there 100 miles away, which has always been a bucket list item for me. So maybe wow. you'll get lucky and be able to witness the same thing. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Got to put together the talk, but if people are heading out, I'll, I'll see you there. What is your talk going to be about real quick? Have you considered this yet? Yes. So I think the general idea is to create a job that you don't want to retire from through side hustles. So cool. that that is kind of what I accidentally did. 
and you know people are like oh so you're retired i'm like ah, i'm not really retired i just i don't work too much and it's exactly what i want to work on so i was like ah but it's great because you know learning from people like you and, and one of your themes for your your talk was if you're unhappy before you retire you're probably going to be unhappy afterwards sure you can get rid of some negative things but you kind of have to uh you know figure things out and one of those is to be productive or creative or something like that which you know i've sort of tailored exactly what i want to work on through these side hustles that i do man that's a great topic it's that's worth the price of admission to camp fi alone and i'm not just saying that people will eat that up because people always like to see clear plans it's not woo woo um abstract stuff man you're a, a real life example of this so yeah maybe what do you know what weekend that is no it is march 25th through the 28th okay something like that Shit. so i might already be out of town there but I, yeah i'd kind of like to see it um yeah i, I mean i may do it again because I, I think it is a good after i like realized that's a pretty good topic and talked to a couple people about it i was like yeah i mean i think it's it's a good one because it's it's exactly what I did. It's very actionable, and I'm not ex all the stuff that I do. I didn't know how to do it before, and I'm actually not that great at any of the one things. <laughs> so uh, it's a good example that you could just like kind of slowly fail your way into success. <laughs> that is like I like that fail yeah. your way to success. You got to have that line in, in your talk. That's really good. Thanks. I, I think I stole it from Parks and Rec. So if, if people are really <laughs> deep parks and rec fans like you'll know what i'm talking about no. okay I'll, i will put it in this is great and all right man real quick will yeah. you give this same talk uh shout out to camp fi rocky mountain week two which we are going to be at as well will you give that same talk if it goes well in camp fi uh, potentially i haven't uh steven and i haven't agreed on you know others but i was like hey man like uh i got a couple ideas and you know a lot of times i could go at the last minute if he needs it uh so yeah i i will potentially I, I think i have a couple other ideas up my sleeve too so if i needed to vary it up i think i could do that cool but yeah it'll all be making the rounds probably very cool all right man anything else on your mind that's all see you soon thanks for listening to the show that was the mile high five podcast and i'm doug cunnington the balder host and carl jensen is the cool sexy one if you dig the show please do three things for us number one tell a friend a family member an enemy about the show we really don't care who you tell maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like it's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word it's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person so the virtual kind's pretty good and more importantly your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer. This show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.
uh, said you lost your computer. I did, but it showed up yesterday, which is pretty cool. What? What happened? How'd you lose it? <laughs> I should back up a second. I'm usually pretty careful. I've never lost anything at the security line. But I had stayed in this hotel the previous two nights. We were in Las Vegas, and there were these assholes in the room next to us. So at 10 p.m., they would come. And they were a family with very misbehaved kids. So the kids would start screaming like at 10 p.m. and, and carry on until midnight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I thought about going over there, banging on the door, or going to the front desk. But both times, I didn't do it because... My two kids were already asleep, and I don't want to wake them up, so I just put in earplugs. But I got a very poor night's sleep, and then you're trying to manage kids through the security line, which is a shit show. So, yeah, I put all my crap on the bins, and they're kind of weird. They've got this system where these bins come out, and your bins get all mixed up with other people's bins. And uh, so your stuff, like one of your things might come out, and then three other people's come out, and then your stuff comes out. So I just, I fucked it up, and I did not grab my computer. <laughs> I realized that, like, as our flight was about to board, so it's heartbreaking because I don't have the time to go back there. Oh, man. And, uh, but it got turned in, so now I have to figure out a way to get it back. It's like a movie, like one of those movies where you lose your dog and then there's all these crazy things that has to happen. And then at minute 90, the dog will have a happy reunion and I'll be dancing, holding the computer, <laughs> doing circles and the sunset. And, yeah. Well, one, maybe a gift that I will give you is TSA pre-check because then you don't have to take out as much stuff. Is that the same thing as global entry or... I don't know. I know there's one called Clear and then TSA PreCheck. I am. Okay. Because then uh, technically you don't have to take off your belt, your shoes, like all, all the shit. You just like put your bag on there and, you know, if you have like a big belt buckle that's metal, you may have to move it over. But generally, it's uh, much simpler. So David Boyer, who I was out visiting in San Diego, recommended that. And I guess it's really good for like he goes down to Mexico and you can walk across the border. Super fast, avoid a two-hour line if you've got that. And, uh, yeah, I would like to not go through all that shit. I guess the caveat for me is I got to sign the family up because I'm going to go through and be sitting there and they'll all be angry at me for going through. But it shouldn't be any big deal. What is it, like 50 bucks or 80 bucks for five years? Or... I think it's like 80. I mean, it's something like that. It's okay. reasonable for, okay. for what, what you get, I think. I'm signing up for it this afternoon. Yeah, and, and over here at Staples... Um, you can do your little interview then. They like fingerprint you and they ask you a couple questions and yeah, very straightforward. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Very simple. 